blessed and magnificent Savior and Father, Lord of love, passion, my heavenly Savior, we want to bless you and thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, for your care towards us, O King of glory. The writer of Psalms went right ahead and said that we shall continue trusting in you. Even when the mountains are uprooted in the midst and the depth of the sea, we shall continue trusting you because God, you never change and you remain the same. Even in these hard days of God of Corona, in these hard days when the church is changing and has had to be closed down, locked down yet once again for our own good. So we say, Lord, we know that you're going to continue being faithful and you're going to continue caring for us, O King of Glory. We want to continue praying against the increasing and soaring cases of Corona, my King of Glory, and the resurgency of this pandemic, my Father. We know that you're not shaken in any way and your word teaches that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see you, Lord, rebuking plagues in the days of the Bible, and we know that you remain the same, O King of Glory. May you, Lord, stretch out your very powerful hand upon Uganda and the rest of the world, Lord, and check this corona because you're God and not you're not shaken in any way. We bless you because of who you are. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. A blessed, wonderful morning, my dear friend, wherever you're picking this from, and we want to bless the Lord for his love and mercy upon our lives. My name is Reverend David Kagwa, once again reaching you with the gospel of Christ to the church of Christ without borders. Um, I don't know whether you, and I know this is something that you really, really can get to envisage and understand, especially people that are married, even if you're not married, but you're in a relationship or you've been in a relationship before. There is this passion and intimacy that you feel, especially if you have someone that you love, the way you feel about them in your heart. You understand that? When you're missing them, you want to see them. That particular kind of thing is what I'm going to be talking about here. In fact, this is much more deeper than the emotions and feelings of love that someone can get within them. I want to talk about a God of immense passion and intimacy, a God of immense passion and intimacy. We are still doing our Zechariah series, and I intend to summarize something here that is very, very deep, but I want to summarize it and bring it um, in a way that it will be understandable without using a lot of time. Uh, we are in Zechariah chapter 8. Remember, our last teaching was um, Zechariah 8, uh, verse 1 to 6. And now we are going to take it from verse at 7 to 8 onwards, but I'll be reading a couple of verses uh, to pick out the gist of the matter even as we go on. We are talking about a God of deep passion and intimacy. And I know it is easy for you right now to ask, especially after the presidential address yesterday when he you know, close down the churches once again. It is easy for someone to say, but again, where is God if he doesn't want us to worship him? Look here, he's a God of intimacy, and it's not just in, you know, the four walls um, of a church that we can worship him, or a church structure, so to say, because church is not basically the structure alone. Church is basically believers with Christ as their head. Now listen to this, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 7 and 8, first of all. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I'll bring them back and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be, and they shall be my people, that is key, and I'll be their God in truth and righteousness. Wonderful. 
you hear that just that it's going to be uh you know um that's going to be the lead the, the, those are going to be the lead verses um ahead of all this passage that goes down to verse 17 i'll just be reading a couple of verses later on i'm not going to read the rest of the verses verbatim but i'm going to be picking just a couple of verses uh, that summarize this entire passage friends you hear that remember we say that this is basically a response unto um a question that was brought by a delegation of people that came from uh, bethel that came to the leaders of um, what you'd call uh, the equivalence of the church in those days uh, the priests that were in jerusalem um, received a delegation from Bethel that came and said, shall we go right on with our fasting? As you remember in our teaching, just like we've done for these 70 years, we talked about the vanity of worshiping uh, the, the Lord in vain. People were fasting for 70 years, and when they came to the Lord, God said, I've never known that you guys are fasting. <laughs> Why? Because they were not doing it the right way. While they fasted, they still went right ahead with injustice. In their fasting, they did not care about their friends. And the bottom line was that they fasted as a means of mere ritual. It was an empty form of worship. We saw that at some point. Now, the second response that God um, makes is that he says, be intimate in your worship. Focus on me. Focus on your relationship with me. The first response was, um, get to refocus on the way that you treat others. You know, you're fasting, but you're being unjust before others. Remember your forefathers. That, that is the response that he was making. Now today, he's saying your fasting should be premised on intimacy with me. In other words, you should be relational in the way that you, you worship me, not only focusing on the externalities of worship. And this is what he's saying. Now in verse 7, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east, uh -huh, the land of the east, like he's saying, and from the land of the west, and I'll bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. And that is key down there. Now he says he's going to gather them from the west and the east, which is more of um, an analogy of from wherever they would have been scattered. Because right now, as you remember in scripture, Israel was basically, or Judah was basically scattered to the north because Babylon is to the north. You see that? Is to the north of, um, of, of, of Israel or Judah. You see that? And that is where they were, they had been taken into captivity. If you talk of the west, and you're in 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 in, in Israel. You basically are talking of Philistia, and um, uh, you, you see, you're talking of Philistia, and you're talking of of um, um, the the Mediterranean Sea. So not many Israelites were scattered in the west, yeah. And when you talk or to to the east, there is basically a desert. You, you, you see that? So. Uh, later on, though, we get to realize that the children of Israel, we are scattered in various areas. But the point we are making here is God is purposing to restore his people and bring them back unto uh, their land. That is the point. Now, it comes out better in verse 8 um, when he says, And I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, one, and they will and they shall be my people, and I'll be their God in truth and righteousness. That is the key verse in this message. 
God is saying, even when you're scattered because of your sin, it wasn't my intention to scatter you, but I had warned. You remember, this is what he says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. He says it in chapter 27. Yeah, I will scatter you to lands that you've not known before. Why? If you depart away from my ways. But the intention of God has never been that his people will be scattered. No, that is why he gave them a nation of their own. You want to uh, remember that even in the days of Abraham, when Abraham came into the land, uh, the promised land, even when he still had it in faith, God wasn't happy when he sojourned, uh, when he moved and went um, to Egypt. He wasn't happy. In uh, When he went to Egypt, he messed up, he couldn't worship, and he ended up denying the Lord because he was living under fear. Um, he ended up denying his own wife, and he was claiming, you know why? Uh, you say you're my sister. Why? Because these people are going to kill me if they discover you're my wife. Later on in Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says, and there was another famine, not the one that came in the days of Abraham. And Isaac moved down to what? To Gera. You know, you know where Gera is? Gera is in the southeast of, um, is, is in the southwest of, um, of, of Israel. And it is on the way as you go to Egypt. You know where he was going? Egypt. Same thing as his father had done. He's going down to Egypt. What does God say in Genesis 26, 3? He says, Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. Tarry here in Gera, and I shall take care of you. Even when um, uh, it, 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 Gera was a desert, yeah, the land of Abimelech, even when it was a desert, this is Philistia, and even when um, it, there was a drought, God said, I am going to take care of you. I want you to note something here. God treasures intimacy between us with him. He's a relational God. Basically, that is what he's looking for. Remember, we are answering the question of the delegation that came from Bethel, that came to the leaders and the priests and the governor in uh, at Jerusalem, you see, and they are saying, shall we go on with our fasting? In other words, as we fast and mourn for uh, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, God is going to appreciate us. But remember, they are doing it out of mere ritual and tradition. And God is saying, no, I'm not pleased with that kind of worship. In other words, he says, I have saved you to be my people and that I shall be your God. You, you, you see that? God treasures intimacy. God treasures that passionate relationship between us with him more than he treasures what? The externalities of worship. And this message, my friend, is coming at a very opportune moment. Even when we are not going to church, by now you must have realized that worship is not basically a thing of the four walls of the church. You see that? Work on your intimacy with God. God says his spirit and those who worship him ought to worship him in spirit and one. Truth. You see that? We need to cultivate our relationship with the Lord and let us go deeper in the way that we worship him. This is what God is saying. Now look at the verb form of the words uh, that make the meaning here in verse 8 of Zechariah chapter 8. He says, and I'll be their God. You hear that? In, uh, and they shall be my people, one, and I'll be their God in truth and righteousness. Now, he states a condition. He states um, a situation and its condition also. That is what we are seeing. He says they are going to be my people. When God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, what did he tell them? Actually, even when they were still in the land of bondage in Egypt, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, no, 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 no. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, God says, 
uh, to Moses and Aaron, go and tell the Pharaoh, let, let my people go that they may do one, worship me. He does it again in verse 8. He does it again in verse 20. And it is all over. He says, in some areas, he says, let them go that they may sacrifice to me. Now, this sacrifice was the form of worship in those days. In other words, when God created us, when God appointed us as believers, when God saved us, the one thing he desires and requires of us is what? Genuine worship. God does not eat food. God does not need money for us per se. When we give money in church, it is for the work of the church, basically, uh, to, to, to support the estate of worship. You see that? But many of us are losing the point here, and we are focusing on the wrong thing. God wants genuine worship. He really wants that to happen. This is why he's saying, they shall be my people, and I'll be their God. God is a relational God. He's looking for relationship. When you go back right from the creation of the world, God says, we shall make God, uh, man in what? In uh, our image. Let us go make man in our image. Why does he say that? Eh? What kind of image does God have? God is spirit. He's creating you in spirit to be like him. Why? So you can worship. So you can share something. Share his attributes. And friends, this is the essence of life and it is the fullness of life. When you feel like crumbling, when you feel like life doesn't make sense anymore, friends, the secret I've discovered about life is the deeper you worship the Lord in genuineness, the more fulfilling life becomes. You see this? This is why... Um, later on in John chapter 6, verse 68, when uh, um, um, St. Peter is making a response to uh, Jesus, when he asks them, do you also want to go? Peter says, where shall we go? For you are, you have the words of life. You see that? God is looking for this intimacy and relationship. He's a God of passion. So this is what the people of Zechariah's day had missed. This is the point they had missed. They were busy fasting on these externalities. They were busy focusing on them. Meanwhile, not focusing on the relationship between them and God and between them and fellow man. Why? Because they were not focusing on the main thing. You see that? Today, you find churches fasting and fasting and fasting. But when you look at the people around them, they don't even see a single a, you know, influence from this church. Why? We are inward looking. We are focused on ourselves. We are focused on the pastor. We are focused on, you see, we are going for 40 days of fasting, but no impact is being felt by the people that are around us, even within the church itself. You see, as someone, I read something somewhere, <laughs> and someone was saying when, uh, when someone is sick in the church, we say, let us pray for them. And when the pastor needs a new car, we say, let us contribute. You see that? You don't find this, uh, our Christianity making sense in the church. And friends, God wants friends. In John chapter 15, verse 14, he says, I have called you friends for, I no longer call you slaves, for slaves do not know what their master is doing. But uh, I have called you friends. Why? Because... Uh, I have told you everything that I've heard from my father. God wants to be friends with you. In these corona days, he wants you to relate with him, talk with him, converse with him, have time with him, wherever you are. When things are good, when they are hard, when you're crying, when you're laughing, he's a God of passion and intimacy. This is why when he saves his people from Egypt, he says, I want you to be my people and I shall be your God. This points to relationship, not these traditions that we have in church, you see, 
and we are we, our generation is about mega churches and you know making names for ourselves as pastors god is not looking for that kind of thing this is why jesus had the 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 the, the capacity to have you know 10 billion disciples but um uh, and, and apostles and uh, and you know those uh, those people that were serving him but he chose simply 12 and I actually called them 11 and a half because the trail of the wasn't actually complete. You see that? He was a man that was often, um, you know, plotting against him on the inside, even when he was fully aware of that. When you go to Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 11, look at what he says. He says, but now I will not treat the remnant of these people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. Eh? For there will be peace for the seed and the vine will yield its fruit. When he speaks of the remnant, you know what he means? He's speaking of faithfulness and righteousness. A remnant was um, the, 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 the people that would trust the Lord. He says those would be the ones that would remain behind, that would be spared because they are living in holiness and they are treasuring me and they are submitting to me. You see that? Now, for us to be relational and passionately enjoy the Lord, there is a condition. If you go back a little bit to verse 8 of Zechariah chapter 8, he says, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. In other words, the condition for us to relate with God passionately and intimately is righteousness and what? Truth. You see that? And the last time I checked, you cannot buy righteousness, neither can you buy truth. You cannot go to the supermarket that I usually, like I usually tell you, and tell someone, give me four kilograms of truth. You see? But God is giving it as a condition. He says for us to relate as father and son, for, for me to have you as my people, for me to have you as, for you to have me as your God, you definitely need righteousness and truth. But you cannot buy this. You can't. It comes directly by Christ. One, grace comes by Christ. Two, truth comes by Christ. Truth is what we need. And two, to get righteousness, you need to get it by you having Christ in your life. And therefore, it comes by the grace of God. That is the condition. You can't buy it. In John chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, The law came with Moses, but the truth and grace came with Christ. You see that? So you need Christ in your life. And once Christ comes, you easily get the grace of God. And the grace of God ushers in righteousness. That is the condition. And thereafter, you surely can relate with God and you get this passionate relationship and feeling about you. Friend, I remember a time when I nearly gave up in life and it was very painful. But the thing that really saved me was this relationship. There are times I felt like I can't live anymore. But when you go deep in worship, when you remember the center of your focus, that being Christ, there is a peace that is released. There is joy that is released. There is fullness that is released as you worship and as you're passionately guided by the Lord. This is what you need. There are many questions right now about uh, the real lockdown or half lockdown that we're experiencing right now. And people are like, we're not going to be going to church. People are like, I'm not going to be going to work anymore. And you feel like you're living in darkness. But let me tell you, whether you have money or not, whether you're working or not, whether you're going to church or not, the essence of life is in the fullness of our relationship with Christ. Once you have it, you have everything. You, you see that the Bible teaches that in him we live, move, and have our being. 
You see that? Acts 17, 28. You understand that, my friend? So this is our point of focus. Friend, focus on your passion with the Lord. It's going to direct you. There are times I'm worshiping and I go very deep and I can't find a single word to speak here on the outside, but there is deep passion flowing within me uh, and, and you're worshiping and you feel, you, you feel the fullness of life, my dear friend. This is what God is speaking about here. And finally, in verse 16, he says, uh, these are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another, judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates and let none of you devise evil in your heart against another and do not love perjury for all these are what I hate. You see, basically when you have Christ in your life and he's reigning and you're reigning with him passionately, he's going to change all this stuff. These people are asking, should we continue fasting? And yet they were living in perjury. They were not speaking the truth. And friends, this is my prayer. Are you weary and heavy London? Do you want to rest? Do you want to have this joy and peace even in these corona days, in this half lockdown that we're experiencing? Let Christ come and sit at the center of your life. And you shall surely have the fullness of life because it comes through him. No natural solution. I want to repeat, no natural solution is going to give us the peace and joy that we need even in these corona days. At least in the very minimum, it will be a combination of spiritual and um, scientific solutions. You cannot just basically count on science. The problems of the world are not basically scientific. The doctors can help, the scientists can help, but let me tell you, vaccination alone, or even if we get the drug alone, that even if Corona is eliminated today, friend, that is not going to give us all the peace that we need. As people are getting vaccinated, as we are, um, you know, upholding to the SOPs, we need Christ to sit at the center because the fundamental human problem actually comes from within. May the Lord bless you even as you seek him more passionately, as you go deeper in seeking him. You know, as the praises go up, the glory is going to come down. And as the glory comes down, the fullness of life is going to be experienced. Friends, this is what Zechariah is te teaching us today. Bless us today, even in these corona days. I want to pray that your passion and your intimacy that you give unto us, O oh Lord, in this perfect relationship, shall release peace, shall release joy, shall give us direction, and shall give us a reason to live even in these days. As people are getting lots of questions of God, we want to pray that we Christians shall have the answer because we surely have you as the answer in our lives. Father, we shall come and bring a ray of hope unto people that are living in darkness right now. We shall bring, O oh Lord, a passion, and we shall bring, O oh Father, rest and joy unto the lives of men that right now are heavy laden under the weight of confusion and questions that are coming to them. Since we have you, and whatever is born of God overcomes the world, we know that you're going to help us to overcome even as we speak today. Help us, O oh Lord, to help others and help us to have the answers unto the questions that the world is asking today. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.